Welcome to the Brutal Enough Podcast. I'm your host, Harrison Barron. I miss you, my fellow Homo sapiens. I've missed you. It's been a, it's it's weird because when I go from doing a lot of podcasts in a very short period of time to doing one throughout the week, and it's not trust me, guys. It's not like I I want to do one a week. I just have a crazy life that I'm trying to live as well as providing you guys with excellent podcasts. But with that being said, lots of good things coming up. Website brutallyhonestpodcast.com. Um, you can go there, sign up for the newsletter. I'm going to be uh, trying out a newsletter in the very near future. And what that newsletter is going to allow you to do is you will be able to go to the website and on the website, once you sign up, I'm trying to start it like January one and I got to figure all this stuff out still, but I'm hoping to get you guys video recaps of the entire week. I'll sit down and make a video recap of everything that I did that week, both business and podcasting wise. Honestly, it shouldn't be more than 5-10 minutes at most. And it kind of gives you guys a gist of what's going on. I have some crazy, ridiculously big plans for 2018. So, and anyone that's been a day oneer, and I know a couple of you, I appreciate you a lot. Uh, the people that have been sticking with the podcast, you know, it's crazy. There's still people that are downloading it. And I like to find myself somewhat entertaining. But, this is episode 60. That is a lot of podcasting. That is literally, what is that, 60, hold on, I'm going to do some math. That is 90, just about 90 hours, give or take, of recorded podcast hours, just on this episode alone. And if you've listened to every single one of them, which I doubt anyone has, that's me applauding. Thank you. I appreciate that. Anyway, back to the game plan here. Website, Brutally Honest Podcast, go check it out. There's going to be some major changes coming up in the near future, too, to that, to make it more user-friendly, and I have some things that are going to be taking place in 2018 that you should be the first one to know about. So, go check that out. Next, um, if you enjoy the show, please hit the, smash that subscribe button, leave a comment, give it a rating, God damn it, do me a favor, give me a rating, you know, appreciate it, and, uh... Last but not least, this show, like all shows, are brought to you none other than the, by the Nerds That Care. The Nerds That Care is your outsourced IT company. Um, it's kind of like having that person in your office for the most part. You know, They're going to sit in the corner anyway, and until something breaks, they come running. Kind of like the same thing, except you save a ton of money, and you get a team of people. You know, we all know one person's only so good. You need a team that's going to help you out. And they're going to point you in the right direction. And they're going to help make sure that you're getting the most bang for your buck and everything's going to go smoothly. So, go check out the Nerds That Care. You can find them at nerdsthatcare.com. That, again, that's N-E-R-D-S-T-H-A-T-C-A-R-E.com. So, go check them out. And, wow. It's almost that time. It's almost that time for the show. Uh, the I have to introduce my friend Jeremy Piper. He is an extremely uh, driven uh, young gentleman around my age, and he owns a company called Eagle Pens Company, right? Eagle Pen Co., right? Yeah. And uh, super cool dude, just an absolutely fascinating love for pens. And I know somebody's probably going to think, oh my God, it's pens. How interesting could that be? Well, didn't think resumes were that interesting either until I met Ron Reed and Ron Reed s sat on the podcast and I was captivated for an hour and a half and then we talked about it even more afterwards. So, you never know what you're going to find. 
And I'm trying to bring you some ridiculously cool people and interesting people. Interesting cats, you know, in- interesting homo sapiens. Um, and on that note, I would like to take a moment, because I know I have a couple podcasts coming up, but I want to make sure I say it. I hope everyone, and the holidays are starting already, so I hope everyone has a happy and safe holiday with whatever religion or thing you decide to do. I hope it is happy and safe and full of joy, no matter what. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I'm not just saying that. So, now, without any further ado, please welcome my friend, Jeremy Piper. It didn't click to realize to me till today how many people are getting into cryptocurrency until one of my buddies who's actually Jonathan Carroll, um, who's been on my show before. He's with Bradley and Parker Insurance, mm-hmm. but he posted a photo on Facebook and it was like getting into uh, Ripple uh, cryptocurrency, oh, yeah. and I was like. This is adequate. Like, he's in insurance. Like, I get it. If you're in tech, I'd be like, all right, you know, it's kind of expected for you to be You sell life insurance. But, like, (laughs) you sell insurance. John, I love you to death. But I'm like, this is out of control. Like, people not not even remotely in the industry. And it's not just him. I've seen a lot of people now that are like, oh, you know, getting into these cryptocurrencies. And I'm like, this is insane. Yeah. And the one guy... Uh, my my girlfriend at a PhD, I go to the, her parties and things like that, so I get to talk to some pretty smart people. Okay, it's a good time. Yeah, and one of the guys I heard him over talking about, you know, Bitcoin, and I was, and we were playing ping pong. Ping pong. I'm like, uh-huh. all right, you gotta, you know, fucking explain <laughs> this Bitcoin to me, and we're literally back and forth, you yep. know, with ping pong, and he's just saying, all right, it was invented by this guy at this blockchain. This guy's got millions of dollars, but nobody really knows who he is. And I'm like, all right, hold up, what is a blockchain? Yep. And he started, he breaks it all down. He's like, yeah, you know, your computer. You know, it's like it, it works like a, a calculator. It'll decipher these little bits, and that gives you money. Yep. And broke it all down. Where I was like, this does not sound at all like money. This shouldn't be worth anything. It and shouldn't then, be worth. And anything. then you realize that's exactly how our money works today. And I was like, shit. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, that's exactly right. And then I friends that are like, eh, it's backed by the U.S. government. I'm like, like to what degree? To what degree? Like, yes, it, it doesn't have value. Yes. This is, but if, uh, God forbid, you know, something happens in the earth, nobody's going to give a fuck how many dollar bills it. you got or hundred dollar bills. No. You, have. you know it's, what that is? That, that's kindling. Yes. That's what that is. Exactly. It's going to be, you know, what do you have to, it's going to go, we're going to take a dial back like hundreds of years to mm-hmm. what do you have do you have a pig can i buy your pig and i'll trade you so, corn you know or whatever I got, some, I, got, I got a little bit of gold dust that's worth something you say sure or you can take your dollar to the bank and they'll give you gold for it yeah but now you, they say oh we can just print some more <laughs> I, that's what i'm saying <laughs> you know, money. It, it's just it's crazy how many people like jumped on the bandwagon and that's that's why that's why i bought gold mm. I, I i invested in physical gold i, I did some did, did some research on the different you know like bullion places that you mm-hmm. can actually buy it and they'll store it for you and it's all backed and everything it oh, is, wow. it's crazy and you can you can take it out anytime so oh, like cool. if you put in like a thousand dollars yeah it's not just in the ether somewhere it's yeah. you can actually say hey okay i want my gold delivered and they say oh sure how would you like it and they'll send it to you in you know chips or grant you know whatever yeah. you want you can pull it out anytime but i uh <laughs> i felt very comfortable knowing 
you know, it was, it's kind of like the whole Parks and Rec Ron Swanson thing. He's like, I know how many pounds of money I have. And there was something very... There is a truth to that. Yeah, where I was sure. like, okay, I can see that there's an actual, you know, a dollar is worth however much, you know, depending on what the dollar is worth to China or to Russia or to Japan. is you know, influences world money, but gold is always like rising gold is always yeah. worth something more yes. than that where i i physic- i believe in the physical nature of that metal yep. the one thing i never understood is you know people's obsession with gold and diamonds like gold and diamonds are great in application you know oh, yeah. i don't buy into diamonds if you want to put diamonds in in a saw and you know mm-hmm. it helps keep the, the that or diamonds in you know I, I don't really know too much that uses diamonds. I know that there's a lot of computer parts that use uh, gold, and there's a, there's like, actually a lot of things that use so gold, like uh, like platinum and stuff like that too. Yeah, 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 all that stuff. And these and they all have like real world applicational uses. Mm-hmm. But the whole thing behind the the jewelry, like, ne- I don't. They never really clicked with me. That it's like, oh, yeah. you know, I have all this jewelry, I have all this gold. Like, if you have gold in your sense, then yes, I understand it. But, I don't want to wear it, but I don't care about that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? But like, I'm like, I don't understand. Like, you know, oh, I spent twenty thousand dollars on my ring. You know, I have a little rock on there. Like, cool, it's man. like, well, cool. Now it's just another thing I have to worry about losing. Right. That's yeah. my biggest thing. Like, thank God I, watches stay on your wrist well. I, I I worked at a, a jewelry store. You know, one of those like you know K jewelers kind of places mm-hmm. for a short stint. I, I worked literally like a week. I worked out. I was like, all right, <laughs> didn't even finish training. No, I said, get get me out of here. Get get me out of this place because it was it was it was terrible. But you did get those women that came in that you know their husband was whoever big shot mm-hmm. bought him a ten thousand dollar ring, and they're losing diamonds out of it. And they say, oh, I need this replaced, and it's five hundred. I'm like, what the what are you doing? That you're wearing this around and you're just losing diamonds off of this gift somebody gave you. Oh, and it's just hundreds and hundreds of dollars to replace it. And I was like, maybe just get you know a band. You know, if it's just get a simple uh, band. I see the guys with the uh, the wedding band tattooed on them. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, that is the way to go. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, you the can't. only problem is if you get a divorce. Yeah. Then Ooh. what do you do? Ooh, it's going to hurt. Yeah. But definitely a solution for it. Oh, yeah. Uh, anyway, so you brought some pens with you. I did. Um, obviously, you run the Eagle Pen Co. Yeah. Um, or Pen Company, which is super cool, by the way. If you Thank haven't you. checked out... Uh, Jeremy's stuff. Definitely check him out on LinkedIn. Yeah, in, Not invest LinkedIn, in uh, Instagram and the website Eagle Pen. Invest Co. in Bitcoin and Eagle Pens. That's what <laughs> this whole pod. That's all I can tell you. That's, that's all we're gonna talk about. Oh today, my god! But uh, yeah, I'm the on paper. I'm the president of this okay. company. It's it's a couple people who had the sort of original three mm-hmm. as uh, myself, my father, and the gentleman we met, uh, Eddie Papson who's managing partner for the Great Republic, okay. which is a set of historic shops. Uh, there's one in D.C., one in Colorado, and they're actually opening up two more this coming year is the hope. So they've kind of really taken off and having four shops in about five years' time of growth. Wow. It's crazy. That's very impressive. Oh, yeah. And they are – well, the, the one – the best way I can describe the stores is it is – a museum where you can buy thing, you, you can buy stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's it's incredible. You go in and there's you know battle flown flags, original maps of DC, oh, wow. hand you know hand drawn maps all over. And that's what's cool. They're they're, they're staff. They're sort of um, they're salespeople, but they're also curators okay. in that way. Yeah. That uh, one girl that I talked to a lot there, uh, who's super great, does all of their rare books, mm-hmm. and that's all she does. So she can sell you anything in the store. But if you come in and say, hey, I'm interested in this book, 
she'll light up and say, all right, I can get that book for you. I know where to find it. I'll keep my eye on the auction houses. Mm-hmm. You know, she'll call people or they have it in stock and she can explain how it was rebound and, you know, what edition it was and who so signed a, it. She's a specialist. Exactly. She's the real deal. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. And that's what they do. It's, 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 it's incredible. And uh, we found them by chance. We originally had partnered up with the Great Republic. We were, for a short while, the Great Republic pen company. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we were just a, a sort of an arm of mm-hmm. them. And Eddie eventually saw that we were growing sort of out of what the Great Republic could, could offer us mm-hmm. almost in that way monetarily and also with contacts and Absolutely. how we could grow. Found an investor that actually bought us out of the Great Republic, and Eddie's still involved in the company, obviously. Mm-hmm. Broke us off of that and became Eagle Pen Company. So now we're completely independent. Yeah. Which is that's great. Awesome, man. But uh, yeah, we found them by chance. Like I was talking to you before, those offhand experiences that lead to a whole different life and all these doors that you didn't know about. 100%. It's, it's incredible. We were in DC, uh, my father and I, doing a, uh, a winter holiday pop up mm-hmm. festival. It's in these, it's actually up right now in DC. Okay. Uh, probably going to go back and see some of those old friends, you know, <laughs> see how they're doing. Because I'm lucky I'm not standing out in the cold doing yeah, the shows anymore. Uh, I'm it. grateful for that. <laughs> I don't blame you. Oh, it's freezing God. right now. I know. If, you're, if you don't live in New York you are, and you live anywhere oh. south, you are so blessed right now. It was like 20 degrees today. Oh, I know. Oh, no. That that, that short oh. trip from the car to the office was not. <laughs> no, it sucks. It's miserable. Like, I get in my car every morning. I'm like, why do I live somewhere where it is absolutely miserable to leave my house? Yeah, and then you're, you're trying to get your, your bike fixed and all that. Yeah. You know, and it's not good. Oh, uh, but Miserable. We were doing that show outside and selling stuff, having a good time. You know, it was it was a really great way for my dad and I to, you know, especially as I was kind of graduating college and becoming more independent, we were able to kind of stay close and mm-hmm. have that project. Even it was it was it was very much a hobby mm-hmm. at that point, but it was a profitable hobby. It was great, you know, have some pocket money and buy new stuff and invest in things. Yeah, for sure. But we were parked in city center where the Great Republic is, and we walked by one day, and they had stayed open late. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those things that was 15 minutes, they stayed open late. And I, I poked my head in the door, and they had cufflinks and presidential portraits and all these beautiful Americana stuff. And I said, all right, I have these presidential wood pens that we were that we were working on, and there was other wood out there we could buy and other projects we had in mind. I said, i got to go talk to these people, see mm-hmm. if they want to sell my product. Yeah. I walked in, and I said, hi, I'm Jeremy Piper. I make these historic pens. And they said, okay, you need to talk to Eddie. Uh-huh. Eddie came in. Uh, we met probably two weeks later. And he bought basically all of our stock that we had. Oh wow! Like, like that it was like like a check that day, and I was like, oh, oh no! <laughs> like, all of a sudden, everything was very real. Yeah. Where it was, that's one of those weird things meeting people like that, where you can work on a project for six months and you know make twenty pens and pour your heart into them, and somebody goes, yeah, okay, I'll take it, and they just write you a check, mm-hmm. and you're like, I'm really glad to get that check, but I feel like I should have worked more. For that, there should have been more to this. Yep, yep. <laughs> People love the product. Man. It's I, I know it's great, and we he, he bought some of that stuff originally. They sold really well in the shop, and probably two or three months later, we were partnered. It was he saw the application of the pens, mm-hmm. and we had pretty much our dream of getting it completely American made, because that's a, a lot of the pens that you see out there. As beautiful as they might be, it's great, but a lot of them are Chinese kind of kit parts that you mm. can buy. And they're anywhere from, you know, 5 to $75 of very different qualities. And there's usually nothing wrong with especially the higher end of them. But it's not American. Yeah. So I, I didn't feel good taking, you know, for instance, wood 
that was, you know, hand planted by George Washington mm-hmm. or wood that, uh, you know, that was present for the signing of the Declaration of Independence or, you know, like we talked before earlier with your friends mm-hmm. that was used in the restoration of the White House after it was burned by the British yeah. and saying, all right, let me slap some Taiwan made metal around this and call it American. Yeah, and it's, it's not, <laughs> Doesn't fit it's the not a good look. Yeah. It's not a good look. Yeah. Somebody's going to look at you cross-eyed yeah. and be like, what happened here? And a lot of people don't know that those are usually foreign made and that's fine. I'm not busting anybody. I don't yeah. care. That's all well and good, but I knew that we could make it that much better. Mm-hmm. It wasn't about, Oh, you know, we're better than you. It was very much, you know, we had this, this, this dream of what we could become and what an American pen could be, mm-hmm. you know, making it just in our sort of renovated basement. It was very, very humble <laughs> kind of <laughs> things we were doing, but it's we the real deal, man. That's, that's yeah. like the definition of grinding. Yeah, it was. It was just, it was just my dad and I and said, all right, you know, we, we would do a weekend show and say, mm-hmm. all right, we made $2,000. Great. You know, once you get, you know, your table fees, your gas, mm-hmm. your food, tra- everything. And you say, all right, you know, we've got like 1500 bucks. I would usually get a couple hundred of that just for, you know, sales commission, whatever, you know, that was my pocket money. Mm-hmm. And then we say, okay, what can we invest in? What can we do? You know, and it was eventually where I, I didn't even care about getting the money too much. It was saying, okay, I want to bid on this piece of history. I want to, I want to buy this new machine that will make our product that what percent better. So you, you know? do you manufacture all the pens in the house for the most part? We do. Oh, we wow. do. That's so impressive. we use a couple of different artists and jewelers, but it's work that we can't do. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got big, stupid hands a lot of the time. Yeah. You know, my dad's even taller and bigger than I am. Yeah, and of course. Yeah, it's tough. There's, he's really good. At w- what my dad does is usually make a lot of this stuff round. So mm-hmm. he does a lot of the casting and the chemical work with mm-hmm. that, the actual physical turning and sanding. And the, I do all of the basically assembly and packaging. Okay. So I will take all these. Uh, usually he would just send them to me mm-hmm. in, while I'm in Virginia. But what we've done has gotten uh, too expensive to... Uh, sort of leave up to the hands of USPS. Mm-hmm. So uh, usually if I'm up here, like today, mm-hmm. I've got a bag of stuff waiting for me at home that I will take with me mm-hmm. because it's safe with me in the passenger seat. Yeah. I'm fine with that. Yeah. But when you're shipping $20,000 worth of raw product, yeah. you know, the UPS guy throws it at my door. I don't feel good. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's tough, man. And so in my basement that I have, I've got my own shop now, moving on up. Good yeah. Oh, yeah. It's unfinished, but it's mine. Hey, whatever, man. Oh, yeah. doesn't need to look pretty. Just no. Get the job it's done. got, it's got, you know, baker's racks and, you know, lathes and all kinds of craziness down there. And I'll do all the polishing and buffing and put it, actually, put it together. Oh. I take all the shipment of our stainless steel parts that we get American made, mm-hmm. all the packaging, put it together, make it pretty. I do all the photos, all these brochures. I, I learned photography and did all this myself. Wow. And very impressive. Do do what I can. Well, with teaching myself this kind of it, I, as my as my dad would say, uh you have uh, much more time than you have money. Mm. So it's a lot easier for me to say, okay, you know what? I can take 2 months of my time and learn how to do this and basically pay myself. Whereas, you know, now it's to the point where okay, if there's somebody who can do it that much better than me, I'm willing to shell out a few thousand dollars to get it done as best as we can yes and that's that's what's been exciting about the company and watching it grow from a hobby Mm -hmm. to what i do full-time and you know selling to the state department yeah you know selling to we we sold sold a few pens to a swiss delegate you know these crazy people that you meet and of course knowing that two years ago if you showed me some of our products and the artists we were using and the miniaturist painting Mm -hmm. the jewelers work that we do and what plans we have for 2018, I would have laughed in your face. 
I'd be like, what are you talking about, man? Yeah. I was like, it's just me and my dad doing this. Yeah. It's not a big deal. And it, it, it changes quickly. And it's, if anything, it just speaks to being able to just, to just work. You know, I had so many 24 hour days of yeah, just, yeah. I need to get something done mm-hmm. and I'm the only guy, you know, I, I was, I, I wear many hats with that's that where my you have to. we have one guy who's sort of publicity for us that's Eddie you know mm-hmm. he's sort of the face of the company to the government and a lot of the high end clientele a lot of the, you know the hotels mm-hmm. we work with that side of things that I don't I don't I don't understand yet mm-hmm. it's those you know it takes years and years to get those connections yeah and that's what he does perfectly and that's why the great republic is so successful mm-hmm. cuz he can massage that that kind of clientele well uh, my dad does all the production. We have our one investor who was sort of just the money guy. Mm-hmm. So it's not like he's, you know, he doesn't have to roll up his sleeves and yeah. do that kind of work because he's worked his whole life. Yeah. He can invest and sit back. So that left me with a uh, website, doing a, putting all the pens together, hitting the road and talking to people like you and John Keel, mm-hmm. you know, meeting the people, doing the sales shows myself yeah. and, you know, just humping the stuff around. And But I, I, I don't know what else I would do and be happy with. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, I had so many, so many of those nights where I was like, all right, this has got to get done and I got to send something out and uh, I've got to do this uh, Photoshop stuff. I got to go into Lightroom and take a hundred photos and get this ready for if, if we had a, um, if we had some sort of interview going out the next day, I wanted to make sure the website was as polished as it could be. Mm-hmm. So I'd be up all night just tinkering and tinkering and we've seen returns for it so i can't i'm not mad yeah of course <laughs> you know no, man especially as an entrepreneur yeah it's uh I, it's a lot of work it I is mean, you know about that i mean look yeah. what you're doing i mean even though i don't get paid for this yet um <laughs> you know it's it is it's you know i gotta figure this out i had no idea how to do audio at all like i knew nothing and now you've got all kinds of mixers yeah, mixer and stuff i don't and- understand yeah, I, I ba- I, don't get me wrong, I barely, barely understand. <laughs> I figured out how to get, to get the job done here. You're just looking at me and twisting knobs. Yeah, like, yeah we need like, to adjust this. This needs to go up again. <laughs> but um, it's, you know, when I when back in the day when me and my buddy Cam started the original show, it was, you know, all right, let's get this done. And, you know, you're har- like. You're, just, tell, you're trying. Yeah, that's all that matters. I tell people, I'm like, just YouTube it. Mm-hmm. At this point, watch somebody else. Do it. At least that's me. Some people can read it. Some people, you know, have to have to be hands on and shown it. But I was like, I oh, you know, like I can pretty much figure this stuff out from YouTube. And and that's I and I learned a lot of stuff on YouTube. I think YouTube is oh, severely yeah. under uh, underutilized in that field. You know, YouTube is pretty much the reason why I graduated college. You know, <laughs> it's like what you did, know, you, you, what did you graduate with? Uh, computer information systems and with uh, okay, an then, yeah, then, then YouTube's gonna work for you, yeah, but. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, I had calculus class. Well, I didn't get it in class. So let me go home and I could watch you can find a 35 online. people oh, yeah. do it 35 different ways and at least one of them has to stick. Mm-hmm. So that that's like, I tell people all the time, like, YouTube it, YouTube it, YouTube it, YouTube it. Like, oh, yeah. And there's so many people out there just giving away free knowledge. Oh, yeah. I, I love doing that. I try to, in the car, doing the um, the podcast and th- mm-hmm. things like that, there's just so much to learn. And that's that's the one time that I can really absorb it. Yeah, you know, is finding those people that are just willing to teach you for free. Mm-hmm. That's the best. Yep, that's the best. But that was part of what made me appreciate uh, Eddie as a partner mm-hmm. and just the people that I've met along the way. That you know, when I started this and I was you know, twenty one, mm-hmm. and they were like, "You, you really do have this this kind of dream. You really do want to do this." And they, they were still willing to help. Mm-hmm. That somebody was trying something new and wanted to work and wanted to do it, and it's. It's it's a ride, if anything. It's only been a couple of years. I mean, I just I turned 24 in October. 
Thanks, man. And I, uh, I have no idea where 25, where I'll be. Yeah. You know, or 26, 26, who knows? Yeah. But it's I, crazy, man. And people are always willing to help. I tell people at all the time, like, people are willing to help. You know, if somebody comes to me and says, People are I... generally nice. Yeah. They really are. People have this crazy concept of, yeah. Everybody wants to I wants you to fail. There I are have it figured but... out, and you don't. I'm the one who knows how to do it, and you don't. It's mm-hmm. like, if you just shut up and are willing to learn once in a while, things will go pretty well for you. Mm-hmm. Things will go pretty well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and even, and it, especially if it's something that you don't know how to do. A lot of times people are like, I'll just do it for you. Like, mm-hmm. like as long as it's not going to take me a ton of time and money and energy, if it's something pretty simple, a lot of times they'll just do it just to help you out. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm wondering how that goes for you being the IT guy. If you uh, you get the family calls. All the time. All the, you go home for Thanksgiving, they're All like, the oh, Stuff honey, could you, uh, could you look at that for me? <laughs> That's the one bad part about it. And now I'm like. The look in your eyes yeah, right now. <laughs> like, it's cool, but like, you know, you get that family member. Usually, like grandma, yeah. it was like, "Hey, could you fix this?" I'm like, "No, no I, I can't. can't. You need a new computer. This is from you're basically one step away from a typewriter." Yeah, we well, a typewriter would you... be better because you know how to use a typewriter. Yeah, nothing you, really yeah. breaks on that. <laughs> you need to get to like semi close to the 21st century, mm-hmm. but it's just it, it's amazing how many people will just, "Hey, you know, I'll take care of it. Hey, I'll take care of it. You know, hey, I'll help you out or whatever it is." Oh yeah, astronomical the amount of people. No, people are nice. People are nice, and that's something something funny. My my dad did um, sort of an, an early New Year's resolution. Okay, is uh, as stupid as it might sound, is to uh, over tip mm. because it's one of those simple things to let people know that other people are thinking about you. Yeah, and I absolutely appreciate it. And when I do have the extra cash, I like to. Yeah, because it doesn't cost you much, but it feels good. And then people realize, okay, I'm working this service job. And everybody hates me, and um, you know, food's always late, no matter if it's on time. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was just, a bartender. I still am a bartender. Oh, oh yeah, and yep. you, 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 you can never be fast enough for yeah. people. You know, yeah. and saying, okay, you know, somebody who's at the bottom rung, and they're just getting, you know, crapped on all day, and you say, hey, you know, here's some extra cash. Here's a tip. And they go, oh my god, thank yeah. you so much. Really? Five dollars goes this the is, longest way. This is for me. All of it? Or you don't want change? And he's like, mm-hmm. no, that's for you. And they're like, why? It's like because I want you to know that there are people out here who don't just think about themselves, and mm-hmm. and those people remember you. It's 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 an easy yep. way. The it's funny because um, there's there's a bakery right around the corner. It's co- this bakery called Glen Wayne Bakery, and they make literally the best donuts. Like mm. I've never had donuts as good as they do. That's dangerous. And I couldn't have donuts that close to where I live. It's not in between my house and work, so I'm not okay. there frequently. That's good. But That's good. It's on my way from work to wherever I have a meeting. So a lot of times mm. now. I'll bring a box of donuts. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't even care if I have to, if I have one or I don't have one. But the donuts are so good that nobody forgets who I am. Oh, yeah. Like, if I go in somewhere, I'm like, ah, let me get a, let me get a dozen donuts. You know, what is it? I think over there it's like six bucks for a dozen. Yeah. Because it's coming from the bakery or whatever. Nine bucks for a dozen donuts as opposed to Dunkin' Donuts, which is... Cost you $10 and you can make that many people happy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and, like, even if you get less donuts, okay, they all cut them in half. And nobody forgets about you because mm-hmm. those donuts are so good. It's I, uh, awesome. I did. We had a... Uh, where I live in Charlottesville, they just opened up a Krispy Kreme. Okay. Oh, man. Krispy Kreme donuts are actually really good. Those are good because I, I had never experienced, like, when the red light is on and oh. they're hot... Oh my Jesus Christ! <laughs> hot, hot. Like never they, had hot Krispy Kreme. They come, donuts. they come off the line and they dip them. In, oh my God! And they still give them away for free. I they had the they had the one for one kind of thing. If you bought one, that, okay. they they give you a second one. Okay. But I went. In, I was um I was getting actually these printed. Okay. At, at the local print shop, 
And I was like, oh, it was something I needed rushed. I was oh. like, I got to do something. And this was late and the photo didn't work, blah, blah, blah. Can you guys turn this over like tomorrow? And they're like, oh, yeah, somebody's got to come in early. And I was like, I'll take care of it. Don't worry. Yeah. And I, I, I went in early that day and brought them. And I was like, who, is, who was printing these? Who came in early? And uh-huh. I was like, oh, that was me. And I was like, here's a box of donuts. And I just yeah. gave it to him. I was like, give them out. Eat them yourself. I don't care. Yeah. And the whole office was like, really? And I was like, yeah. he came in a half hour early. To get it done. So, yeah, he came in here at 7.30 to help me out, and this cost me all of $10 to yeah. go to Krispy Kreme and make him happy and show him that I care for $10. Yep. It's a, oh, dude, it's, it's the like, thing in the world. <laughs> it's a, people are like, oh, you're so old school. You bring donuts. I go, you don't you have no Nobody idea. dislikes donuts. Ex- exactly. <laughs> and even the people that don't eat donuts, like that, those far and few between people that are like, yeah. oh, you know, health reasons, whatever it is, still appreciate the gesture, mm-hmm. and they, and they will appreciate a, f- a donut that they can't have more than I don't know celery and dip or carrots and dip. Right. Like there's just something associated with it, and you walk yeah, if in. You, uh, if you bring celery and dip as a thank you, you look nobody's like a creep. Gonna, <laughs> nobody's going to talk. Where did to you. you get celery? Like why did you bring that? Here? Yeah, it's like oh, I just had to go get some celery. For don't you worry guys. about it, guys. It's blue cheese. You'll like it. Yeah, <laughs> like it. But it's just it's the craziest thing, and I do that for, I do that all the time now, and I'm like. It's the cheapest way for mm-hmm. people to love, me. and I'm not trying to make people love me because people genuinely like each other for the most part. But like, the like, all right, you know, you, you give it to the CEO. CEO is going to give it out to the employees. The employees are your biggest advocate, and I tell this to everybody in business too. I'm like, if the employees are happy and you do, can do whatever you can to make the employees happy of another company, they will go to bat for you tenfold oh, to yeah. get the CEO to push through whatever it is. And all it takes is what ten dollars worth of donuts. Yeah, like just some of your time. That's it. Yeah, like it takes four, five minutes. I could be in and out of there in five minutes and back on mm-hmm. the main road that I need to be on. Oh, yeah, the Christopher King I went to it was a, it was a drive-through. Oh, and I was like, okay, what what stage? This is the downfall of America. I don't have to get out of my car to get into a Krispy Kreme. To get donuts. To get donuts. I was like, you know, fast food's one thing because it's at least kind of food. Yeah. But the donuts, that's just pure hedonism. Like, you need to, you need, you need to stop. <laughs> There's nothing, no redeeming quality about somebody in a drive-thru at a Krispy Kreme. <laughs> uh, well, hey, you know what? There's obviously demand for it. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's full every time I drive by. I'm like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> There's never not somebody in the drive-thru. Yeah, the Dunkin' Donuts red light, man. Oh, when yeah. they're hot. Oh, yeah. Legendary. So oh my God. how did you, to, to roll back the pens for me. Oh, yeah. If you haven't seen Eagle Pen Company's pens, I would take a second or pull over and take a look at some of their pens. But he uses parts from watches and all these different things. Yeah. And, so and that's that's the one the one you have now I brought. It was a uh, Rolex Daytona dial mm-hmm. that we, we got. We actually source a lot of these uh, straight from Switzerland. Rolex ones are especially difficult because unlike a lot of watch companies, I like that Ulysse Nardine mm-hmm. dial that I got earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you break something on a Ulysse Nardine, you send it in, they have to replace the dial. They will send you back all the parts that came off of your original watch. Oh, wow. So you will, so basically, you know, when John gave me that dial, he had the replacement and that was the original. Mm -hmm. So he can then do what he pleases with that dial, like give it to me to -hmm. make into a pen. Mm -hmm. Rolex, if you break your Daytona, send it in, they will keep anything uh, that does not go back on what they send you, basically. So if they need to take the dial off to, to do work, or, yeah. they'll keep that old dial, and you don't have it back. That's so, kind of a bummer. Kind of. I mean, but what were you going to do with that dial anyway? You know, it's it's just kind of a... Well, you a, were going to make it I was. Pen. Yeah, it hurts me, but you, as a consumer, if you're not making pens, you don't care. You know? Uh, 
You know, I mean, hey, it'd be pretty cool to have a table laid out with like just some loose loose pieces, some loose Rolex and whatnot. That, yeah. But this one is uh, I, I absolutely love this one. It was one of the one of the first dials that we got as a batch. It's actually photographed in some of these some of the books I have. Uh, but it's you know the classic black Daytona with the silver chrono and everything mm-hmm. on it, and it all starts out you know from a watch that we usually get those from independent dealers because it's a if you take it to a local jewelry shop and get it worked on, they're not they're not necessarily Rolex Corporation. They're not going to yeah. – they'll give you that dial back. They don't care so much. So we kind of have a network of people that will – if a Rolex comes in, oh, it's grandpa's watch. Grandpa died. We don't know what to do with it. It doesn't work. They'll, they'll, they'll buy it and mm-hmm. part it out a lot of times. Oh, wow. So then that becomes, you know, anywhere between $100 to $1,000 for that dial yeah. that somebody can then buy like me. Uh, so it's kind of having that that's that spider web uh, mm-hmm. that's you know that kind of call tree yep, that absolutely. people get in touch with me somehow, mm-hmm. and we're working. But that's the these are these are much more rare than anything else. Like I can get a Timex anytime any anytime. Yeah. I can go on eBay and get a Timex. I don't care about that. What yeah. I care is the hard to find rare collectibles. Yep. I like the Frank Mueller's that we get yep. from Switzerland. Uh, Where do you, uh, what got you into like? watches i mean not watches into pens and stuff like that it was a a hobby that my my dad and i kind of picked up it was uh when i was in i think fifth or sixth grade mm-hmm. that i had a a free period in class you had to do something with it it mm-hmm. was like you know do gym or some curricular and i did uh wood shop okay so they're like okay you know if you've got a bunch of you know horm- hormonal confused sixth graders give them power tools and let me know how that goes and i kept all my fingers you know, there was there's plenty of blood that yeah. happened there. You know, kids fuck up. Like, <laughs> the kids. You're playing with some serious stuff. Oh too. yeah, well you're spinning. It's a spinning lathe. Yeah. You know, you get a couple hundred RPMs. You can lose a finger in there. Pretty really, easy. yeah. But we had a great teacher, and uh, he walked us through, and we made some of those terrible kit pens, like I was telling you yep. about, yep. where it was it cost him a dollar to mm-hmm. get the part. But I was so intrigued with the fact that it was something that I made mm-hmm. that I could then use. So I, I absolutely love art that you hang on the wall. I appreciate it for what it is, mm-hmm. but I it you like tangible stuff. Yeah, some people would say that it's not art because it has function, and for something to be art, it should just be purely art for the sake of art. That's just, that's so false. I'm am telling you, there's fuck those people. <laughs> Like, have you, like, there's a there, there's a a, a a Top Gear episode about that where they're like, can a car be art? And it's something that Hell I yeah. think about a lot because they say, okay, for it to be art, it should not have a function other than to be art. So it's one of those. It, it's Jesus Christ! If people could be gender fluid, you yeah. you could goddamn <laughs> use art. <laughs> Bullshit. Oh my god. But. We yeah I, I think of it as art definitely it's at least something that I made that I appreciated and of course in sixth grade you know doing you know whatever homework I was doing it was great to say oh you know I'm using something that I made mm-hmm. it made me feel good of course and that teacher ended up I think they had they had uh, actually sold some of that original equipment that we worked on uh, to my dad because mm-hmm. they they had saved up some money and they were looking to buy new equipment because the woodshop class was actually kind of popular and they needed some more parts and mm-hmm. pieces. So we got this terrible, you know, fifty dollar lathe that you know. You buy a lathe for fifty bucks if it's not good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, fair so you know, basically, you know how a lathe has a spinning end with a mm-hmm. motor and then a live end, mm-hmm. and it's supposed to be uh, it's supposed to spin straight. You yes. know, to get that into alignment, you would watch and see where it wobbles, and then you'd hit it with a hammer, 
with where the wobble is to try to center it back out. Yeah. Like it was a just a piece of pig iron that you just had to like bang on. Just, yeah. Which was great because it never broke. It was yeah, one of those. Yeah, things that last. Yeah, yeah. It's like a '90s Corolla that has three hundred thousand miles. On it. You're like, how is it still? But you see them every still day. Goes, you see man. them every day, yep. and you can like piss in it, and it still works. And you're like, all right. <laughs> and that was that was that lay that we started with, and it was you know we were working with you know just raw cherry wood and yeah. you know really simple woods, but. It was something really good that my dad could come home and, you know, he had, had a rough day and he's like, hey, let's go to the shop. Mm-hmm. You know, just shut the door, turn on the radio and we'll just, we didn't have to say anything. Mm-hmm. You just do some woodwork, you know, mm-hmm. and just kind of work with the machinery and put some pens together and you make something and you kind of just funnel that energy, whatever it is, into a, into something that makes you slow down and appreciate what you're doing. Yeah. And it was good. It was, a, it was a really good way to spend our time and it was a... If anything else, obviously it wasn't something my dad started and was like, this is an investment that's going to turn into a company someday. You know, I think it, any, more than anything else, it was him spending time with me and letting me know, like, you know, when you're, you're in sixth grade, stuff starts to happen to you. You, see, you know, start to get hair weird places and yeah. stuff. And he's like, hey, you know, if you want to talk, we can go to the wood shop and you can, you can, you know, what's going on? You like girls? You you, you got a crush on somebody? What's going on? You yeah. know, it was just a place for us the to call in a silence. Yeah. It was, yep, it was a place. Sure, man. A place for us to talk, and then mom, mom didn't go to the shop because she didn't like the machines. So That's it was awesome. It was it was a guy, That's great, like a, dad, son. Yeah, man. it was a guy safe kind of zone. And I mean, my my dad grew up without a dad, so okay. he was very much aware of what he missed. I yeah. think so. He was like, "All right, let me do this right," because he knew what wrong was. Yeah. So he was like, "Let's let's do it the right way," and that's something I appreciate more than anything. Yeah, I, I see that all the time where you, you get the excuse of dad wasn't around, so I can be a dick, and it's like, why? Yeah. Like if your dad wasn't around, Why don't you break the chain. You know how that feels. You, you do something different. Yeah, you know. So it was, it was good. I mean, obviously, yeah. My mom helped me every step of the way that she could. But there's, you know, some stuff you you can only talk about with dad. Of course, you know. Same of way, course. there's only some stuff you can talk about with mom. You know, it's just yeah. whatever the, whatever the balance is. But we were were making those pens, and I, I gave them to some teachers as like end of year gifts and things like mm-hmm. that. And they're like, oh, cool, I'll never use it, you know. And it was, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it was something they appreciated because we made it, uh-huh. you know. And we were we started with those those two dollar pen kits, mm-hmm. and we said, okay, well, we, we we sold a couple at like that church show. You know, mm-hmm. you had the ten dollar buy in table, and you're next to grandma who's knitting little tea cozies and you know crap like that. And I'm selling you know five and ten dollar pens. Mm-hmm. So we fit right in, not a problem, because they were unfinished wood. It was terrible Chinese parts, everything. Yeah. But we would do some of those shows and say, "All right, you know, we saved up enough. We could go buy a couple of those really nice ten dollar pen kits. Yeah, you know, those real fancy ones that you see once in a while." Uh-huh. Until we started selling only those, and we said, "All right, we can get a couple of those fifty dollar pen kits." Mm. Until we only sold those. Until you work your way up, and we worked mm. our way up where we hit a ceiling. And this is over years. Mm-hmm. You know, this is basically when we hit that ceiling. I was probably uh sophomore junior mm-hmm. college and it got to the point where we were doing shows and we were in high-end art shows that were you know hundreds of dollars for a table you know thousands and over for if it was like a week-long show like that christmas show mm-hmm. that was a big chunk of change and we yeah. said all right that's more than we used to make doing 10 of those smaller craft shows and we're putting this up front for yeah. one week of sh- are you serious but at a christmas show like that you could clear twenty thousand dollars over a week because it was prime time Christmas. You're right in the heart of DC. Mm-hmm. You got people walking around at lunchtime to say, I want that. That's real nice. How much is it? $400. Not a problem. Here you go. Here's $400. And they'd mm-hmm. walk up and they'd be gone. Mm-hmm. And we do that. 
did that for a couple of years and it got to the point where we were regularly selling eight hundred, nine hundred thousand dollar pens that we had really reached the limit of what that sort of uh, pin community with those Chinese parts we had we had hit the ceiling of buying the best of what we could find and what that turned into is okay if we can't buy what we know is the best anymore mm-hmm. where do we get it made and that was the very real conversation that we had and basically my senior year we had started migrating into the american made only mm-hmm. so it was all stainless none of the you know plated terrible you know, brass yeah. stuff that you get that's, oh, it's got an 18 karat gold plating, kind of. If you drop it, the plating cracks off. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it was expensive. It was shiny as long as you didn't, you know, like rub it too yeah, much. It, yeah. it would fall. You had to be careful with it. Yeah. And it was very pretty. But I, I would say, you know, the stainless steel, it's not nearly as glitzy as a lot of those are. But I can now do all kinds of engravings on that it's american made i know the guy who makes them mm-hmm. i can order however many i want different sizes we have all different capabilities where now we're talking about okay who can we call where can we get gold billets made to do you know if we do 18 karat titanium blend that we want to do like a like an actual carotid gold mm-hmm. solid pieces mm-hmm. to make for our pens or okay i've got uh, damascus steel billets that we had hand forged who can cut those for us? Yeah. Or uh, we want to do one that's and the billet a, is the tip, right? So. Uh, the billet is a uh, basically a square chunk of uh, metal. So they they actually forge the Damascus steel and cut it to billets. Okay. Yeah. So gotcha. it's it's like a big square. Gotcha. Yeah. They're they're insanely heavy. That's what I love about the uh, Damascus yeah, steel. It's, it's got thousands of layers in yep. it. It's, yep. Yeah. It's Damascus so pretty. Steel is a real deal. I have it's a Damascus so pretty. steel knife at home, and it's oh yeah, it's the real deal. And that's what we're that's what we're now sort of migrating into. Is you know we went from doing five dollar pens to uh, our holy grail pen at the time that we had to sell. Mm-hmm. Well, I remember the first time I sold a thousand dollar pen, and that blew my mind because I was seventeen mm-hmm. at the time, and that was you know I, I wasn't like poor growing up or anything, but it was like nobody ever handed me a thousand dollars. You know, I don't. Mm-hmm. It was ridiculous, you yep. know. But it was it was this beautiful mammoth ivory and Irish bog oak pen that we had made. Wow. And the mammoth ivory slab in the top of the cap we had engraved with a woolly mammoth. So oh, it looked wow. like it was walking uh-huh. off the pen. Do you have it, them in this book? No. It's, oh. I, I, have a, I have a picture of it on one of my old business cards that I saved. Oh. I'll, I can send it to you. It's All really right. cool. It's, yeah, it's sort of the roots kind of thing. Yeah, but that, that was, I'd love to see it, man. But what's so funny is when the, the, the gentleman that bought that pen, and I'll never forget it, he had turned to his wife and he said, this costs more than my first car. <laughs> And I remember, and my dad always laughed about it because I very quickly replied and said, well, that just means you're in the right place in your life. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you're right. I said, yeah. He said, he said if you, you know, were driving a $1,000 car when you were 17, yeah. sure, everybody's done that. You, everybody's uh-huh. had the crappy, you know, kind of first car. Not yep. a problem. But that just means that you're now in your 40s and you're saying, okay, what I spent on a car is now a luxury item to me. Mm-hmm. And so that's the kind of clientele we have always pursued. And that's who's kind of come to us yeah, naturally. It's definitely not a need industry. No, no, for sure. Um, <laughs> definitely a want industry. Yeah, and that's fine because there's you know there's plenty of people that will make big pens and say, all right, I need to make a half a penny on each pen we sell. That's not a problem. I'm trying to offer something that is the best of the best. That mm-hmm. if you had, when we first sat down and we're designing our whole line of pens with the historicals and the mammoth teeth that we do, the, the different Swiss styles, all that. That all right, what kind of pen can we make? 
that is, you know, balls to the wall, blow it out of the water. What can you do that's the best? Because mm-hmm. for the longest time, my father and I were sort of building pens to our own budget. Okay. And that's no way to run a business. Just because it's something that you think, okay, that's something I would buy. That's great. But there are people out there with way more money than you. Mm-hmm. Always. If you have the capability to make a product worthy of that price tag, why wouldn't you build it? If yep. you can if you can take more hours and put it into that product and put your passion into it, why would you not do yeah, that? Yeah, of course. It, you know, it's the same way that, you know, Lamborghini. I was just thinking Yeah, that. Lamborghini was a farmer mm-hmm. who made tractors. Mm-hmm. And now Lamborghini is one of the biggest status symbols in the world. And you say, all right, if that guy had continued to make tractors because it was something that he could afford, we wouldn't have Lamborghini, yep. you know, as we know it today. Yep, Lamborghini, so, Ferrari, all those. All those guys. They're very humble. Panerai. Very Yeah, very humble. I mean, uh, Pagani, Panerai's watch. Um, it's the same luxury stuff. Yeah, it's, it's good. still in the same luxury category. <laughs> but it, it definitely is, you know. If, and, you, if you put the work in and you build the house, people will come. Yeah, and sure. and that was something that w- that was a, a hard mindset to get over was who is gonna buy this? Because all my friends were very similar to me, where it was you know a four hundred a four hundred dollar pen. What the hell are you thinking? Yeah, who's gonna spend that, that's groceries? That's rent. What are you doing with? It's that? funny, Pete. The guy I had on the other day was is a huge. I said this before, but huge, huge, huge watt. Uh, not watch pen nut. Oh, okay. And he, I don't know what, I don't know anything about pens. As They're far out as, there. Yeah, but it's a special like, breed. He's like, there's nothing better than you have a really nice pen. And mm-hmm. I was like, I don't even think I know how to write English anymore. And oh, it's, that's, that's part of what I, all, all through college, I had a fountain pen and wrote in cursive and, you know, used, you know, crazy colored inks mm-hmm. and all that. And I loved it because that just helped me want to take notes and helped my handwriting and my, I remember at the end of one of my classes, uh, we had those anonymous surveys and my teacher was like, you better, you know, you know, you better, you know, write some good stuff about me. Cause I know, I know what your writing looks like. Yeah. <laughs> I was the only person in the class so. that was right. You know, I had like some, I had some purple ink or something yeah. that day with the big italic nib and cursive writing. And, uh-huh. and I loved it cause they could, they, I, I was, I remember one of my teachers gave me points for handwriting. Really? Yeah. And I was, like, cool. I was like, that's some old school stuff right there. I was like, that is good. He was like, yeah, I've never given points for handwriting, but y- you really deserved it. <laughs> you like, really deserved it. Thanks, man. I'm trying. I was like, what I lack in actual knowledge. <laughs> I will make up <laughs> I will for make up in this... beautiful scripture. Exactly. exactly. As long as the words are pretty, they don't care. But so funny. The, yeah, we sold, I sold that $1,000 pen, that mammoth pen. Uh-huh. And then that was sort of our, our halo pen. You know how you have um, – you know, the, the way that Audi has, uh, you know, like the R8, mm-hmm. that's like a halo car. Mm-hmm. And that sells their A4s. Yeah. Okay, that sells the lower end stuff, say low end, but that sells their entry level yeah. pieces. That $1,000 pen would sell our $200 pens for us because wow. people would fall in love with that pen and say, okay, I see your passion. I see what it is you're mm-hmm. doing. I want to take a little bit of that home with me. And, but I'm not, I don't expect everybody to afford that kind of thing. Yeah. And even if they can, I don't necessarily expect them to, to just, Shout out the money yeah. for it. Yeah. Yeah, most of I, I don't I sell a lot in person at shows, but usually it, it can be a, a week or a month long process for somebody to pick out what they want, me to find exactly which kind of pen suits them or build it from scratch for them mm-hmm. and then actually deliver it and be paid for it. It's a process. And I expect it to be. It's the same way that you don't go, Oh, I like that house, I'll buy it. Yeah. You gotta go see it a few times, you gotta mm-hmm. feel it out. It's it's a process with this kind of thing. And we eventually moved up to where that $1,000 pen became more commonplace. So we, it's, it's always just it's a gradual growth yep. where our Halo pen 
ended up being a $3,000 pen. Mm-hmm. And that $3,000 pen sold our $1,000 pens. Mm-hmm. So now we're at the point where we're consistently selling $2,500 pens as a norm. Yeah. And I say, okay, this is where it gets fun now because now what next, do I build? Yeah. And that's, it's, it's probably the best part. The most rewarding part is being able to work with these miniaturist artists and, mm-hmm. One of my artists, Lynn Peterson, who's absolutely fantastic. She's done the last two pen series for us. We're working on a couple series with her where she's actually painting on 24 karat gold leaf. Oh, wow. Yeah. So she can start with a precious metal. She's She, she can do silver, platinum, anything, depending on... Super talented. Oh, yes. Whew. Oh, yeah. Depending on what sort of uh, color scheme the pen has, she will match that with either you know the orange and yellow gold tones of 24 karat, mm-hmm. or if it's greens and blues it's going to be a silver background. It's got to be complimentary. Mm-hmm. But right now, you know, we're painting on brass tubes and she's able to prime it herself, put it on a dowel so she can spin it. You know, a lot of people think that this is, this is done flat and then the paintings are wrapped around the pen and no, like glued. Yeah, it's painted straight onto the metal of the pen and she actually spins it and paints it, you know, piece All at a time. Shot, yeah. And then we seal it and it's put together as a completed pen. And there's a lot of pieces that can go wrong on the way. And that's been part of our process is mm. ironing everything out, getting it because it gets expensive. It yeah. really is. All, all the parts and pieces. If there's a, a piece of dust that falls into the paint, it can ruin a section and it's, it's garbage. It's just how it works. It, it's, I'm not going to put my name on a $2,500 pen that I'm not happy with. Yes. You know, if I wouldn't carry it and show it off, I'm certainly not going to sell it. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think that gets me in trouble a little bit because there are some things that are marginal. They say, no can't do it like, yeah. but it's so close you have to, to be perfection no. especially in, especially when it's you know this is definitely a one yes know, exp- and and you're paying uh, you're paying in some people's eyes nothing and then in other people's eyes a lot of money for a pen and that's it <sighs> it's got to hold it's va- like it's it got to really be true to like and that's what's incredible that about the clientele is the people that uh immediately see it as art and as an artistic investment, the same that kind that they would hold on, you know, put on their wall, they'll say, okay, can I, can you do low numbers? Can you do high numbers? You know, if we're doing a set of 30, mm-hmm. they'll say, okay, I want either one, two, three, or I want, you know, 28, 29, 30, the same way that some, if somebody was buying prints, mm-hmm. they would want a signed low edition or high number. You know, it, it's incredible to me that it was, it, they're immediately there. They say, this is something that I'm going to hold on to. It's something that I can probably resell in a couple of years and might even get more money out of it. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm looking for. But what what she's doing now with the paints and saying, okay, I'm starting with 24 karat gold. So we're already a step above mm-hmm. what we're doing. And then with the paints, she's able to, okay, here's, here's a, a one-off she did. I want to show you. So just for everybody to, to, to give, give an idea of people listening, it's a mother of pearl body. And then she has done sort of a floral Greek goddess esque nude painting on the top. Oh, so here cool. you go. And that's a one of one from Lynn Peterson. Uh, so it's an original of hers. So it's not a set. She painted this? She did. And that was, I believe, 11 hours of paint for her. So instead of a set of 30, which is still incredibly low, especially in the pen world, it's a one of one. That's it. That's all that's made. This is going to go on the Instagram real quick. Oh, cool. <laughs> but, but this is incredible. Doing that sort of painting she would be able to say start with a platinum foil base and what that does is all of the low tones in there all the mm-hmm. blues and greens gives it a little bit of luminescence to it gives it sort of that depth or um 
if you want the really fancy kind of BS word for it, it's a chatoyance. Um, and what, what she's able to do is then actually embed jewels in the paint. So she can take, for instance, if you wanted that woman to have green eyes, she would be able to take small cut emeralds and actually embed it in the paint to serve as eyes. That's insane. And then uh, that, that in that picture, if in that painting, if the woman was going to be wearing rings, she'd be able to put rubies and diamonds and sapphires. That, that tiny. That tiny. Holy jeez. She's, she's, for anyone who doesn't, I mean, for anyone who I'm not friends with on Instagram, um, brutally honest podcast, but this painting is smaller than my thumb. It's about a one and a half inch square surface. Like if you, if you were to, if you were to cut that tube and roll it out. That is insane. And the amount of detail she puts into this is phenomenal. And And the mother of pearl. Oh my. What's crazy is she was able to do that in downtime. So but she's got a lot of downtime, but she's really, <laughs> she was, yeah, really efficient. She was, she was this is, between projects that she was that doing for stunning. us, and this is sort of a break for her because right now she's painting sort of the same thing uh-huh. for us. So we encourage this because it keeps her kind of fresh, where she's able to kind of set down a certain palette and pick up something new and just stay stay interested. But absolutely insane. Yeah, she's able to do that. And it's it's like a breeze for her, and it, it's incredible. And, and she actually talking to her. I've, I've gotten pretty close with her oh, since she's been working with us, and she got her start actually painting on eggshells. So she would take a hollowed out eggshell. You know, have you seen like the large ostrich eggs, things like that? Mm-hmm. The way they're able to punch a hole and basically suck out everything. She'll get those, but with like smaller eggs. So like things the size of chicken eggs. She would be able to paint entire scenes on, and spend a week painting on a curved surface so this was a natural move for her yeah that's insane oh yeah that she can get that detailed in that Mm -hmm. in that i could only imagine the the amount of time that she's invested in Uh, she's been painting for about 30 years this way miniature and she's actually uh, over the next couple of months, she's introducing us to some of the world's largest miniature art shows, and we're actually making a pen. <laughs> that is such an oxymoron. Yeah, yes, yeah, largest, <laughs> the, the largest, largest miniature show. Miniature show. But it's people fly in from all over the world to DC to see one of these. Oh, is that where they are? They're mm-hmm. in DC. One of them. Okay. Yeah, I think there's one in Europe. I might go Jesus. to, but That's nobody so has ever entered a pen. And people have entered other things. They've, yeah. they've done knife knife scales, things like that. Or just simple pieces of you know paper that have mm-hmm, been painted, mm-hmm. but nobody's ever done a pen before, and it wow. it fits within the guidelines. Um, so what is the what are the guidelines? Basically, it has to be under two inches square. So uh, that's okay. the surface area. So and that oh because it's just the top mm-hmm. half. Mm. So every so this can be this could be huge. Yeah. You know, and you'll see the the, the a lot of those pictures that they they're, they're so funny because they'll have these huge picture frames and this little tiny piece of art that comes with a jeweler's loop and you get up real close to it and there's an entire world painted in this little you know one inch square. You gotta have really good hands for that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like my I could I mean I think I'm moderately talented and I could probably produce something semi cool in that surface area. But just knowing that I'll sneeze while I'm doing yeah, it. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> and, that's eight hours of work. Immediately. And it drives me it's it's inc- like that is incredible. Well what what she proposed to enter that show, it would be about a month of painting. Where it's a couple hours a day, mm-hmm. but it's still three or four hours a day for a month. 
that she's putting into this. On a one two by two piece. On this one tube that Jesus. she would do. So what she's able to do on top of paint, aside from just putting in those gems, mm-hmm. bits like that, she's actually able to take jewel embedded paint. So you can get different colors of paint that have like mica dust. Jewel embedded? Yes. So you can actually. This a, this a, this, I've never even heard oh, of yeah. it. This is a whole other world oh, that I've it's, never it's even. incredible. And I think I know a lot of stuff where I've heard about a lot and of that's, stuff. This is and incredible. That, that's, that's where we're going with a lot of the paintings mm-hmm. is um, we're working on a couple of pens for uh, like the Dallas Safari Club. So mm-hmm. it's all like bird dogs and we're, um, uh, there's, a, there's a golden pheasant pen that mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm working on. So it'll actually be the body is pheasant feathers from the golden pheasant. Then the top will be this beautiful kind of lustrous golden pheasant wrapped around a big plumage on the tails. And it'll be painted on that 24 karat gold because it's obviously a golden pheasant. Mm-hmm. What she's able to do is almost like relief painting. So where she doesn't paint, that gold leaf shows through. Mm-hmm. So she's able to play that as feathers. So, it, but That's what, insane. what gets cooler is that there's, you know, there's green and reds on that pheasant. What she's able to do is take red paint you know red pigment that actually has diamond dust embedded in the paint mixed in so then when you paint with it it looks just like the way that the bird would in real life where it shimmers because there's actual diamond dust in the paint that's crazy oh yeah but that is the next logical step for us you know this this kind of paint blows my mind but when the clientele that we have says okay that's a uh that's that's a twenty five hundred dollar pen. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. What other kinds of pens do you have? Mm-hmm. What we're trying to do is create that next Grail pen. You know that holy mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, kind absolutely. of piece, setting the bar all the way up. Right, because in ten years time, that could be our norm, and that's what blows my mind. Because what you know, fifty absolutely. a fifty dollar pen used to be our top end pen. Don't forget about me, buddy. Then it was a thousand dollar pen. Then three thousand, and then where do we go? So that's why I was up here today talking to John Keel. Hoping uh, he, he put me in touch with a beautiful, absolutely gorgeous American watch company, mm-hmm. and I, I'm hope I'm going to talk to them a little bit more. But they do, you know, Turbalon watches, you know, gorgeous fifty thousand dollar pieces, but mm-hmm. they're all American made, and okay. it's a natural fit for what we do, being completely American as well. Yeah. But being able to do, if, if they, if we were to do a pen with them, for instance, that has a painted dial that would match whatever painted series she does for us. Mm-hmm. You know, we, they could actually send her the dial and be painted. It would be sort of a Lynn Peterson, Eagle Pen Company yeah. collaboration That's there. That's so cool. Where you could say, all right, here's our next set. And it would legitimately be a $50,000 pen and watch set. But with that, you would have a one-of-a-kind watch hand-painted mm-hmm. with a matching one-of-a-kind pen with a matching paint job with all of that same embedded diamonds, rubies, emeralds, diamond dust paint, 24-karat gold backing to the paint – and then whatever sort of either historic wood or mother of pearl, anything that we want to How use. How do you get mother of pearl straight like that? It's really weird. It's it's <laughs> there's a a chemical way to lift it off the shells. Okay. So what you're so it's yeah because if you've seen the inside of a shell, it's very smooth, but yeah. obviously it's it's uh, concave. Uh, yes, concave. Yes, outside would be convex. Um, and there's a chemical way when they die to pull that off and then you're able to sort of uh, I, I, the one guy the guy that we we that does this for us had mm-hmm. explained it to me one time and it's just over my head but there's a way to heat it and flatten it and then when it, once it's flat it's in like a sheet mm-hmm. and then you're able to laser engrave strips jesus 
So but what, where it gets even more difficult from there is if you have a natural shell pattern, mm-hmm. you don't want to disrupt that. So what you'll do is actually number the strips as they're cut to keep them in order mm-hmm. so that when it's reapplied to the pen, it looks just like that shell was wrapped around the body. So it's not just random strips. You want to keep that natural artwork mm-hmm. all the way around the pen. So it's so these are flat just with the natural. Yeah. So I'm taking a look at so that one is crazy. I thought that was just like the waves of of the way it was taken off. I didn't know they no, were actually that, flat with the Yeah, that mother of pearl is that's just the natural uh it's, it's, I believe it's like the the knacker. It's very okay. it's just like what the what pearls are made out of. That's insane. Yeah. We we love it. We have a couple of uh, abalone pens we used to make with the Pua abalone, a different color coloration uh-huh. that you could see exactly. I feel like if you photograph this, you couldn't do justice. It's very hard. Uh, luckily, with, with my light booth, what I was able to figure out is I actually took four different photos of the same body uh-huh. using light sources at different angles and then compositing it. Oh, my goodness. So you were able to get – because it, it needs to be a video or it needs to be in person. Mm. But just the, the way that Mother of Pearl shines is beautiful. But So if you think about how much time and effort we have in, like, the paint, and then we come in and say, okay – at auction, we were able to find a few pieces of the second Wright Flyer that actually flew. We got a couple of metal pieces from the Wright Flyer. What's that, the Wright Flyer? You don't know the Wright Flyer? I'm not a history buff. The Wright Flyer? The the first, you know, the Wright Brothers? Oh. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, I know what you're okay, talking about Okay, yeah, now. yeah, yeah. I just didn't know Ki- it was called the Wright Flyer. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, okay. yeah, Kitty Hawk, all that stuff. Okay, yeah. But this, it was actually... Um, so you, could, you found pieces to that? Yeah, there's actually, I was hoping, I believe they're all sold out, but uh, Bremont Watches actually came out with a, a whole series that included on the, the back rotor uh-huh. that flipped around. There was actually embedded in it, it was beautiful, was some of the Wright Flyer wing material. And they did a whole set of that through the Wright Foundation. I believe it's the great-granddaughter of one of the Wright brothers that yeah. runs it. And they had access to it. It's, it's incredible, but earth? at auction is, and these are, I, I want to let people know this is not eBay auctions. That's no, not, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. that is not what we, <laughs> that's not the, what we're going these to. are the kind of auctions where they send you a brochure months in advance and you go through and highlight what you want and you say, okay, I need $5,000 mm-hmm. for this one item <laughs> mm-hmm. and you get to bid and, and it doesn't even promise you the win. No. Oh no. Um, but getting that kind of history where you say, all right, this is, this is the first step in aviation. That okay. we actually had, because the, the I believe the first Wright Flyer made it off the ground. It didn't count as a flight. There's no. it, it or it didn't even get off the ground. I think Wright Flyer number two was the one that actually took off and held. Mm-hmm. But we actually got a couple of there's like washers and little hex looking bolts that were basically scrap mm-hmm. from that plane because those Wright brothers they were, they were broke. So mm-hmm. when the first one they actually had to take them apart and would recycle the materials in their other planes. Because it's not like you go to the store and buy this stuff. Yeah. A lot of it was uh, very. Can I have ex- a wing, please. Yeah, it was very expensive. Um, yeah, those, those kinds of materials they used to be light enough and sturdy enough. It weren't, and they weren't prevalent then. No, not not not, not like exactly, right not exactly. So we were able to get that that little piece of history, and so that'll be part of our aviation series mm-hmm. or, or our flight series. And what we're doing is capturing basically from the first successful Wright Brothers flight up to Apollo missions mm. and everything in between. So we have all different pieces of history from big flights that Apollo people... Apollo missions? Mm-hmm. So we're able to actually... We're, we're, that's that's the next set of bidding that we're looking at. 
is a couple of actual. This is some next level shit. Oh yeah, it's actual space flown materials. So different, you know, uh, pieces. Of, uh, we've got one. I cannot remember. I'm so mind blown right now. Oh, it's crazy. It's, 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 it's so I'm fun. not sure if I'm more mind blown at the fact that you're going to make a pen with this, or I'm more mind blown at the fact that this is people are going out to auctions to buy this. Oh, it's oh, it's it's crazy. Auction houses are incredible. It's a, it's it's like a candy store for me. I love it. There's all kind. Of, there's so much fun stuff there. What did you go to college for? Did you go to college for history? Uh, political science. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No I, no, I figured you. I was like, you know a lot about history. I mean, I'm sure this the pens been, probably come with yeah, it. Yeah, this has been part of the job. Okay. Really, is doing the research and as part of the fun. As part of the fun. But going and saying, okay, we've got a little piece of gold foil from the blankets that, you know, the, the astronauts wrapped themselves in, you know, that actually went up on one of the one of the shuttles. To we have some material that's a little more expensive, so we'll, we'll see. But it's actual material that was uh, moonwalked. So it, or spacewalked, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it actually went out of the capsule into space, and it was bags they used to carry tools, but like what? lining from that bag. They sell that? Yes. It's yeah. probably not cheap. No, no, <laughs> no. it's not. Um, but it's 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 crazy. What we would have laughed at years ago, we now say, okay, if we can make a set of twenty pens out of that, it pays for itself. And, you know, that's where we yeah. get to, you know, we say, okay, that we, if we do a set of 20 pens, you know, the first couple of pens, that's that, that eats your costs of parts. So mm-hmm. that's just, okay. If we buy a piece of space blanket and it was $2,000 and you say, okay, we've got to build that into, you know, what's our wholesale price? Is it direct? Well, who are we selling to? What's the price? Mm-hmm. Point? How much artwork can we put in this? What's the time? It's all part of the process, but we, we, we really pride ourselves in using large pieces of history. Is there's there's uh, another. Oh, you got a lot of wood in those things, yeah, and a lot of watch, and and we're a using lot of watch. Uh, for some of the ones that aren't wood, like that we do. We've got a piece of uh, George Washington's jacket that he wore, uh, so we've got a swatches of fabric from that. I hope that I'm so famous one day that actually no, I don't really want to be that famous. <laughs> you want to be rich? You yeah, you don't want to be famous. Famous is too much work. I want to be able yeah, to. Go out I just want to be semi-famous. There's a little yeah. People give you like free drinks, that kind of famous. Not, yeah, like. I don't want to say Rogan because I think Rogan's pretty famous, but like maybe like one step yeah. under Rogan. Like, yeah, yeah, he's almost too famous. Yeah, just like where somebody sees me on the street, hey man, what's up? And I'm like, hey man, what's up? Like just once in a while, they don't like, want to like bother you and get a picture. Yeah, like a like, picture's cool. Like take a picture with me, but like yeah. I don't want to be. I've heard stories of like Tom Cruise. He goes out to dinner. And then it's like literally somebody's like, "Oh my God, Tom Cruise is in the restaurant," yeah. and people are like, "Where is he? Where is they, he?" And then all of a sudden, there's three hundred yeah. people in the restaurant. I'm like, I don't ever, ever, ever want to live that life. No, no chance in hell. Plus, you'd have to be a Scientologist, and that's no good. Yeah, I don't want that. <laughs> you, no. you know, but like anybody, Selena Gomez, Ariana Grande, Kim, goddamn Kardashian. But you, you, like, if you can't go to like Starbucks and like just live your life. It's yeah. not worth it. Yeah, it's like I just it. want to be like sem- like you want to know how famous I want to be? I want to be Ron Swanson famous. <laughs> like famous enough, enough where people are like, you, "Hey, I know it's Ron Swanson, but I probably don't want to go take a photo he, with him because he's like that in real life and he'll scowl at you." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like that is how famous I would like to be. Oh yeah. That's like the idea like like yeah, you're semi famous. You get invited to cool stuff here and there, but like mm-hmm. you're not like it's, it's let a me sell out a stadium. It's a different set of problems. Yeah, that I, I'm not prepared for. <laughs> yeah, that's like if I was to get famous, that's like the kind of fame that I would want. Oh yeah, nothing too, just like kind of famous. I, it was it was funny. I, th- I think about that sometimes. Like you know, if I do this, you know, the pen world is kind of niche, but 
there are a ton of people out there. It's the same way that, that where I've been introduced to the watch world mm-hmm. and that there's these huge meetups and micro brands and crazy people out there doing crazy things like I'm doing mm-hmm. just with a different medium. And like the, the DC pen show is one of the largest, it's, I believe it's the largest pen show in America. Okay. It's three days and they have something like 10,000 people through the door. And I'm like, it's pens. Really? And this was a couple yeah. years ago I found out about it. I was yeah. like, seriously? 10,000 people. And I would, I would go. They're willing to travel to go see pens. Sometimes. Yeah. Drive, fly, everything. Biggest brands come in from Japan, Germany, everywhere. And it's, it's huge. But you go and it's packed. You can't hear anything. You got to yell at people to talk to them. It's, it's, like a, it's like a concert. Yeah. But it's pens. And you're like, okay, these people do exist. They're out here. Mm-hmm. You know, these, oh, you got computers too. Yeah. Comic-Con stuff like oh, that. Oh, yeah. And, and it, it's but you go and you say okay you know this is this is doable there's this many people here and at some point it's a numbers game you say okay there's so many collectors and there's so many that are probably in a certain tax bracket that they would appreciate what it is that we're trying to do and be okay with that price mm-hmm. and what 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 means a lot to me is everybody that I've met and sold to and more importantly not sold to mm-hmm. I've never had anybody say this is too expensive and that means a lot to me I've had people really? I've had people say I can't afford this right now. Mm. And as sad as I am not to sell something to somebody, mm-hmm. you know, especially you spend time with them and it's not so much my investment, it's that they enjoy it so much. Then they can't have it. That if I had the money to, I would give away a pen every time I was at a show. Yeah. If I could afford to do that with the business where it is, mm-hmm. I would love to. I would say, "Okay, you know, stick around." You know, because mm-hmm. if I don't meet anybody who's as cool as you today, I want you to, yeah. <laughs> I want you to have yep, this pen. Yep, sure, man. Because I, I've had a couple people who said, oh, you know, oh, my dad's this collector and he's got this historic stuff and he collects this and that. It would be a perfect fit for him, but I, I, I can't afford that right now. Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, oh, it starts yeah. to hit you. It starts to pull at your, your strings. You're like, oh, I just want you to give it to your dad and just make him happy with this gift. And I, but I, I can't always do that, yeah. you know. Yeah, it's, if you did that, it would be a charity. It, it would. You just give it things And that would be great to do sometime but it's 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 meeting those people and to say okay you know i've met in passing at these shows thousands of people over the years Mm -hmm. and yeah you have the occasional person who's just kind of a dick that's like what is this i'm not paying that much for this and they're on their way Mm -hmm. but those those people exist that's not that's uh, those people exist in everything yeah no matter what it is that that could be somebody buying milk i have you know uh, and I have people in the technology field. I had a lady, and she's like, yeah, we just got hit with cryptovirus. It wasn't a customer of ours. Mm. But, got, oh, I got hit with cryptovirus. She's like, yeah, if it was up to me, I'd go back to writing, with doing everything pen and paper. And I was just like... You would? Really? I was like, um, <laughs> so why am I here then? Right. Like, if you're okay with doing it, why don't you just do just, that? Just go to Staples and buy a ream of paper. Yeah, and just- I'll go get it for you. Yeah. Because it's, we'll it's, it's, it's two dollars for five hundred sheets of paper. Yeah, we'll get this but t- there's, there's always going to be people, no matter what, that are just either unappreciative or and whatever it's fine. It is. But even the people in passing that I spend a minute with, they say, "Oh, what is this? Mm-hmm. You know, what 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 are you doing?" And I say, "Oh, here, check it out. Read this brochure. I'm, I'm trying to talk to you know thirty people at a time at some of these shows." Tough. And that's that's why I like doing the smaller pen shows because I think that the last show I did at Bertram's Inkwell, I talked to. Re- realistically 12 people mm-hmm. and two of them bought things mm-hmm. and that was fantastic because they were great sales yeah it was like i said i'm trying to be that ferrari dealer that needs to sell two cars a month mm-hmm. i don't need to sell a thousand yeah you know and there are plenty of pen companies that are huge that have fallen back into selling cufflinks and belts and cologne 
and just watering down the brand and getting their pens stamped out in China mm-hmm. and saying, okay, we're going to rely on our name brand yeah. and make these resin pens that You can still do that. You just don't water it down. Right. Like, get it done right. Yeah. I tell people all the time, like, I don't care what you do, as long as you do it right. And the, and the, they don't, and it's 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 kind of sad, but, you know, that's that's what happens to brands. They, mm-hmm. they overreach, and I've had, I had so many people at the show say, do what you do, but keep it small like it is. They were like, whatever you do, keep keep this small where it's just a couple people in the company. Don't try to sell a thousand of these a year. If you do, great. But seriously, keep it. Yeah. <laughs> and that meant a lot that people were invested and were saying, okay, in five years' time, I want you to make this same volume, but just even better. You know, yeah. I want you to keep doing better and better and better. Yeah. But you don't need to be the person. Keep the exclusivity. Yeah, right. Exclusivity. Yeah. Yeah. Because when I sit down with somebody for half an hour, I would talk to those people. You know, the show was six hours, mm-hmm. and I, I talked to 12 people, and it was literally about half an hour apiece. Yeah. And I would say, okay, here, we're going to start at one end of my table, and I'm going to walk you down to the other end of my table. Yeah. And okay. I was absolutely hoarse by the end of the show because I'm talking to people pretty, you know, so they Constantly. can hear. Yep. No breaks, no water, nothing. I had Ugh. My parents came up, and they brought me, like, my dad brought me, like, a protein shake in some halls. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. And I'm just pounding pounding these cough drops to be able to talk to the, these people. And it was very much, they were just like, oh, my God, what, I've never seen you before. What do you? Yeah. What is this you do? And I had this beautiful table set up with, the you know, these, these black leather displays with the stainless steel pens popping off mm-hmm. of them. And as... I had just so many compl- I, I love the whole packaging side of it. How do how do we how do you present a brand to somebody who's never seen you before? Mm-hmm. You know, what is it that sells you? The same way that, you know, you walk into a Bentley dealership and a guy wearing a suit and a smile, what can I do for you today, sir? Would you like a cappuccino? You yeah. know, it's that service. And they literally will go get you They'll a get cappuccino. you a cappuccino and that's what you expect. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm saying, "Okay, I'm selling a 2 or 3,000 dollar product. I am going to treat these people like the best the I can." Yeah. Because I want I literally enjoy that. I actually like making these people feel special mm-hmm. because th- they are. It's yeah. somebody that understands what I'm doing and they appreciate it. And they appreciate it. That means so much to me. I'm mm-hmm. going to give that right back to you, you know? And I had a lot of people that it, I was laughing at, at one point when my, my dad was, he was kind of, I was like, what? He was like, look up. And I looked in this, this big jewelry store with all these pens, these white booklets that I have, there were five or six people with just their nose in the booklet mm-hmm. in the middle of, the, in the middle of the hallways like where people were trying to yeah. walk to get pens and there was just people just stopped reading my books and just flipping through pages and flipping through pages and looking at me, flipping through pages, asking me questions and yeah, lo- flipping through. Incredible. And I was like, okay, these, they, they get it. They're actually interested. Yeah. And this, how much is it? And be like, oh, that's, that's $3,000. They're like, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. And that's why I talk to people and, you know, try to, try to talk to them. It, it's more than that number. Cause a lot of people get sticker shock and they say, why would I pay $3,000 for anything? There's some people like that, but I hate those people. <laughs> I hate them, and, and it's not. And I'm not trying to relate this to the IT world. It's just no matter it's what just, it is. Can I like, get a coupon? Is there something going on? Like everybody wants a discount. Yeah. It's like no. I'm no. sorry. No. Like and you have to pay full price. Like yeah. You want it's a luxury good. You want to you want it. You have to pay full price. Like yep. you don't go to the Lamborghini dealership and say, hey, "Can you knock fifty thousand off?" And I'll take it home today. Yeah. You know what? If if you're that famous, they'll give you a car because yeah. they want you driving it around. Yep. But I don't think you're at the, you know, it's like you're, you're not at the point. you got to pay full price. You know, like that's yeah. – got to – but it was – It drives me nuts, man. It was so incredible. And that was our, our first – you know, after about a year and a half, two years of working the product and getting it where we were happy. Mm-hmm. You know, because it was – we had the ideas. You know, those very first pens that we had, 
met with Eddie, got our investor, got it all American made, did the whole packaging from scratch, did the table, everything, mm-hmm. got our artists, everything. And that was two years of just me, just working, just getting this right. Mm-hmm. And we go to the show and I was nervous as hell. Oh my God. It was two years of me working and I say, okay, I know they sell in these stores, but this is the first time that I'm actually with pen people. You know, I'm kind of going back to where I started. This was where I started to edge into the luxury market. Mm-hmm. You know, are they going to remember me? Are they going to accept this? And half an hour in, I had already sold a pen. I was like, okay, yeah, everything's fine. Yeah. Everything's fine. But, you know, I was able to be that new kid. And a lot of the people there, I, I don't think liked me very much because they were like, who does he think he is coming in and selling these pens for $2,500 and actually selling them? Mm-hmm. You know, like thinking that he's going to get sales, you know, that. Yeah. I had one guy say, oh, you know, that, that that's Mont Blanc prices. What, why are you selling them for so much? I was like, because I think it's better than Mont Blanc. That's why. Yeah. He was like, oh, okay, whatever. I was like, why are you? Yeah, why are you so? <laughs> why, why are you like this? I was like, we're on the same team. We're trying to sell pens. Dude, that's like somebody coming out with a new car and being like, why don't you just get a Ferrari? Yeah, it's what's, like, wrong, uh, what's wrong with you? It's like, why'd you get a Lamborghini? It's like, a Ferrari's the old man car. It's yeah, like, yeah. Uh, because I wanted it. It's what I wanted. And it was it was weird because uh, what I like is that when people come and they buy a pen, they're they're talking to the president of the company. Mm-hmm. They're straight to me. Yeah. It's not some guy that's in Switzerland somewhere that you never see. Mm-hmm. That's just a name and a signature on it. If you call the number on my website, you get me. Yeah. Because I want to be involved with it. It's I'm making the sales. I talk to people. Yeah. And you're making the pen. It's, it's my baby. Yeah. You know, I want to be involved with it as much as I can. And I see so many people distance themselves and try to, all right, we just need to sell 5,000 pens a year. I'm going to be in my office, you know, doing what mm-hmm. like, you got to be out there. I don't, it's not like it's in the trenches out there. Yeah. We're you moving know? to that world where people want to see the face behind, behind it all. Exactly. Like and, we, we were, uh, we weren't in that world years ago. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it was just like, Oh, you get this product that does this, 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 like nobody cared. Now everybody's like, I want to see who's behind. Oh Yeah behind the operate behind everything who's well, that's creating, why who's developing it's a, as, as weird of a comparison it is it's the same way that it's the reason my parents like to go to a local butcher and they try to get you know farm to table food and that kind of stuff because mm-hmm. you know who's making it people are trying to be more involved and i attribute a lot of my sales to well obviously luxury minded people mm-hmm. you know that are collectors of this kind of these kinds of products but people that are tired of iPads, mm-hmm. iPhones, tired of emails. Uh, I mean, the, my girlfriend, I, I, I would write letters to her and she keeps them because oh, wow. they're handwritten. Awesome. Yeah. You know, I, I wrote letters to my grandparents as, you know, thank you notes and just normal, how you doing letters. Mm-hmm. And those meant more to people than anything. Yeah. I could send them a hundred emails. They don't care. Yeah. You know, my grandma texts me once in a while, but it's just like little stupid stuff. It's, you know, mm-hmm. if you, Either call him on the phone or write him a letter. I have a, uh, I have a wax, a wax seal. Oh yeah, that's that what you got to do. And uh, so anytime I send something like really personalized, you just I, I'll psh, yep, get I'll, that nice little. I'll get the oh, wax yeah. seal out and stamp it. And the cool part is because I don't know anybody that uses a wax seal anymore other than myself. I've literally never seen one outside of the one I have. And like I'm not a I'm not like a wax seal buff or anything like that. But I'm like it's funny because people don't forget that. No, no. Like, I put that wax seal in, like, dude, that card that you sent me, like, it could be, well, I, they, it could be a fucking they get $2 it, card they, from Walmart. They, they pop it open and it has a little snap to yep. it when you, the wax, oh, man. Yep. And, uh, 
people are like, dude, you have a wax seal? I'm like, yeah, yeah why, Like, why not? Why Why would I not? Yeah. yeah. I'm like, look, I send 12 cards a year. What the hell? Yeah. Why aren't I going to do Like, I don't even... I don't even send you my said, bills through the mail. I, I it's all easy. You said, it's I, all I, don't, I don't care what you do. Just do it right. Yeah. I'm and like, you, look, if I could send a wax seal to somebody, mm-hmm. oh, my God, people will never forget that. Oh, yeah. I tell people that all the time. Like, you have to make it so it's, – it's, and to bring it back to the donuts, it, it's just that personal touch that you bring yeah. that makes it – it's not a so much better. It's not about the cost of the wax mm-hmm. or how much it was. You know, the, the twenty dollar engraving for that that little you know stamp yep. tool. It doesn't matter. No, nope. it's just that extra fifteen seconds of that process. No, nope. and that's part of what I enjoy so much. Wax sealing is quite hard, by the way. In case anyone was wondering, yeah, it take, you to gotta, get you, it really to get it right, right, you got to let it sit for a second, yep. but not too much. Yep. it's like yeah, you uh, got you to practice. It is but not easy. Once you do it, though, it's the best. That's like. <laughs> But it's it's that process that people like and are getting back to where they're saying, all right, I can pull out my my text, pull out my phone, send a stupid text. It doesn't mean anything. There's no inflection. It it, Mm -hmm. it sucks. But if, you know, you can get a piece of paper and say, all right, I picked out this stationery because I like it. And Mm -hmm. I picked out this pen to write with because I like it. And here's I picked out what kind of ink I want to write with today. Filled up my pen because I like it. Mm -hmm. And you sit down, you do everything the way you want to do it. And it's all personalized. And it means so much more. And uh, oh man, uh, I wish it was more prevalent. I do, mm-hmm. but it's it's finding those people that are special enough that you want to write them a letter, and yes. that they'd write you a letter back. Yes. Then you say, yes. "All right, I can keep you. You're a good person." Yes. You know that's. <laughs> yep. Yep. I mean, I, I, it's funny because I, I now I mail stuff with my fire department, but it's for the longest time I didn't mail stuff, and I'm like. Where does this go again? Yeah. Um, I, do, do they even still have yeah, like, I was like, I mailboxes? Brought, yeah, I brought it to the <laughs> post office, and I'm like, I don't know how to mail this. And he's like, you need help, a stamp. Help me. <laughs> and he's like, I was like, oh. Uh, Where can I get a stamp? Where yeah, is that? Uh, how do I get one of those? I think my mom had some in a drawer yeah. when I was a kid. <laughs> Literally. But, and he's like, do you not mail things? I go, no. Nope. Do you? Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, nope. Never I, mail anything. I remember I, I, I mailed a letter to somebody, and they sent me a reply back, and it was an email. Okay. And I was like, oh. it's like, come on, man. <laughs> come on, man. The- I was like, I just spent all this effort, because it's like a half-hour process. It is. It to, is. like, get your thoughts straight mm-hmm. and actually write it in ink. Because mm-hmm. if you screw up, you can't just scratch it. It looks terrible. you got to start. Like, it's a mess. Oh, you, you go all out. Oh, yeah. I have the worst handwriting, so I try to type things when I can. Mm. And mm-hmm. then I will do like the that's part of the wax seal thing because I'm like I physically don't think you could read my handwriting. What you could do is get a typewriter, go like the whole Tom Hanks approach <gasps> because that's like that's a great idea. That's still typed, but it's at least old school where you had to go rink, rink, and push the paper through. And there's a process. It's it's more of a they don't uh, make new school typewriters though, do they? They probably do. I've seen I've seen I'm a ton of old man. ones out. I'm sure people make it because there's plenty of people out there. Quick. It's easier for me to search Google on my phone than on my goddamn computer. Oh yeah, uh, typewriter. I'm sure it's out there. Because that's at least still a uh, still that a, would be really it's cool. It's still a personal touch. It's 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 that halfway point between a letter and an email. I might have to do some research on this with with because <laughs> um, the crazy part is I would genuinely type a letter on a typewriter. It feels good. Have you ever like done it? Go shook, 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 and you get the it's the whole tactile response and everything. Typewriters, oh, yeah. Amazon.com. All hey, right, let's see where we're at. Like here. that you're you're ordering a typewriter. No, I'm Amazon. not gonna order it yet. <laughs> But I'm curious. I'm curious to see if they even have something. Oh, 144 bucks, mm. 600 dollars. Oh man. Um. Maybe I'll have to look into this. Yeah. Apparently, Tom Hanks like collects typewriters. 
like old like the, the way that some people collect like certain vintage watches yeah. he collects typewriters and then a fan had sent him one that was apparently worth a lot of money very collectible and uh-huh. wrote him a wedding invitation and on the typewriter and then uh-huh. sent him the typewriter with the invitation he came to his wedding what yeah and i was like it's so personal yeah it's so personal he was he was like this uh, okay i'll go <laughs> he's yeah. like oh, okay fuck that's up. literally how you have to fuck how it you i'm tom hanks <laughs> okay all right so it doesn't look like they're terribly expensive you could it looks like 175 dollars seems to be the running price for one that's not bad uh, around 175 give yeah. or take a different give or take some bucks but what you got to do is do a new world one yeah do that and then get yourself a nice pen and just get that nice signature on the bottom yeah and you're golden the, the one thing I'd be terrified of, though, is with a typewriter is I'm so used to hammering through my keys. Oh, you'd have to, like, relearn how to type. Well, not even that. It's just I would I would be afraid because I slip yeah. up all the time, and I know where to hit the delete key mm-hmm. so, or the backspace key as it is. So I'm like, all you right. Get, you have to get some correcting fluid. Yeah. And, oh, a lot oh. of that because I did whatever. If I write 30 lines, 20 lines, I can have a lot of errors. Oh, no. And it's that's part of the reason, you know, I'd say, okay, I'm here. I'm, I'm writing. I'd be be writing a letter or something. And say, okay, I'm, I'm sitting here with a pen. That's, yeah, for uh, signatures though. Hell signatures, yeah. yeah. But hell with yeah. that kind of pen, it made me slow down a little bit, but just enough, mm-hmm. just enough of a slowdown that it was I could concentrate on how I was writing and what I was writing. Because mm-hmm. if you're just you know chicken scratch notes, it's not you're not doing anything with yeah. your brain. It's not good. And but sitting there and actually thinking about the words and you you try to you, i would second guess myself all the time when i basically retaught myself cursive mm, i was like that's one thing i wanted to do yeah too. i was like which way does that letter go again in cursive i was like oh, and i had to like look stuff up sometimes and like relearn yep. cuz i do re- it. i write halfway between cursive and yeah you, some letters connect and some, others yeah, don't yeah exactly and i used yeah. to be super good in cursive too apparently according to my teachers i used to have amazing cursive <laughs> Handwriting. Like he was so good in third grade. I don't know what and happened. Then, well, the problem actually school happened, and I they were, teachers oh. would talk so fast. You I couldn't. couldn't. In cursive, is supposed to be faster, but I don't, I don't, I don't buy that. It can be if you do it right, but then nobody did it right. Well, I mess. I think I did it right, but my the problem is on my hand, I wouldn't readjust my elbow, so all the lines mm. would be curved across the page and not straight, and then I would lose the whole page, and then I was like, well, like. Like the lines are there for a reason, you know, and you just you just had like this kind of arch. Yeah, <laughs> yep. the page. Yeah, or I, it would like I'd start. I wouldn't keep like the good form. I would like start going all the way up and like oh. following it, and it would get all messed up. And then I would start writing in print again, and then neither one looked good anymore. Oh, you just there's apparently a the the correct way that people are s- supposed to learn how to write. And I learned this the the gentleman uh, Richard Bender. Uh, if you don't know who he is and you're into pens, look him up. Because he does, uh, he's he's the top nibmeister in America. What's a nibmeister? Nibmeister oh, to the tip, right? Yeah. So okay. that's the actual nib. So what he does is uh, different grinds, and there's there's a bunch of people that do it, but he has basically taught all of them. Mm-hmm. So I, I took his class of how to adjust those tines and use pliers and take that jeweler's loop and get it to where basically that last quarter inch of that pen mm-hmm. is the most important part because it's all it's very science, it's all capillary action is how the actual ink is drawn to mm-hmm. the tip to write. Yeah, yeah. But getting it just by them being super close together. Right. Uh-huh. But they're a little a little bit angled if you see. So it's just the way that like you see a drop of water will morph into yeah. a second. It, that's how it's kind of how it works. It'll it will capillary action the water wants to be in the closest spot possible. Uh-huh. So it will pull itself. That's oh, why uh-huh. fountain pens work upside down. That's how you know it's tuned correctly because it will actually overcome gravity and you can write with it upside down. What? Yeah. It's weird. It's, it's a weird world. Um, but 
you're supposed to you got to get the ink to the tip and tuned then, correctly. You oh said. yeah, yeah. And that's what, what I, on I, earth goes into tuning. That's what pen. I do by hand. You have to is take a jeweler's loop and you, you. There's a couple different ways you hold the pen to see how it's. You can do it dry and then I usually wet the pen and make sure it's writing correctly. Like with the ink. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but they're actually. I, I kind of have to have to draw it out for you, but the. The tines, when they meet, as thin as they look, there is a thickness there that can affect if the ink wants to sit at the top of the, t- the nib and not write, or the ink wants to sit at the bottom of the nib and actually touch paper and write mm-hmm. correctly. So oftentimes, you know, I'll go to antique shops and get vintage fountain pens. And they're like, ah, it doesn't work. It's uh, $5. It's yours. It could be a $400 pen. It just doesn't write because the nib's all messed up. So I can take that, readjust it. Do you it. do that frequently? You can, yeah. It, the fountain pens have actually become more popular, so it's actually a lot harder to find them. Really? Yeah, you kind of have to go really out of the way. Like if you go on like Etsy or any of those uh-huh. places, any, people know what they're worth now. Because mm. people will say, okay, if it says Waterman on it and there's a little 18K logo on the nib, it's probably worth three or $400. You know, and they'll, they can, they'll go do that research themselves mm. and then say, okay. But then you say, okay, you've got a dirty pen that doesn't write and you want mint price for it. It's not, it's not going to happen. You know, it's a... It's you got to barter. The, it's it's a whole process, but Jeez. that's where I got into the fountain pens. It was kind of like taking old pens apart, cleaning them, and sort of like refurbishing them because mm-hmm. you can either sell them or use them. Mm-hmm. But it was kind of fun to say, all right, this is a sixty-year-old pen that was in somebody's drawer for however many years, that then made its way to this this you know trinket shop that I bought for five dollars. It's worth five hundred. I cleaned it up, write with it for a couple of weeks, and then maybe sell it. You know, it's one of those. It's just fun. It's like way, yeah. way people flip cars. You know, anything. But you can manipulate those tines in a couple different ways to get it to write perfectly. And what's interesting is that it's an iridium tip on there. It's actually, it's like a dot of iridium that's dipped Mm -hmm. onto it. And what you're able to do is look at somebody's pen if they've been writing with it for like 30 years Mm -hmm. and it will sand itself down to a smooth spot where they can, where they constantly write. Mm -hmm. So even though it's not something you might think about, if you use this clip, do you have iridium dipped tip? Yeah. Yeah. So if you use this as like a centering point, uh-huh. when somebody then goes to the paper, they will often adjust. roll the pen or adjust it in their hand mm-hmm. to write. So what happens is that I had I had one client a couple of years ago who had his dad's old Mont Blanc that didn't write for him. And that was because dad was a lefty and he had slowly over 25 years ground down that iridium to where it wrote perfectly for him. And only for him. So fountain pens will actually personalize themselves to you over the years. Because that's insane. As smooth as paper is, on a microscopic level, it is abrasive. So as strong as iridium is over the years, you'll get that little dot right there. Yep, just that little that little bulge over the years. How the hell do you see these things with I assume? Yep, jeweler's loop. It's like a ten times. I think it's either ten or twenty, I don't remember. I gotta like take my glasses off; it gets me all messed up. That's. I'm sorry, guys. I'm admiring, like, I, I I don't think I've ever held a fountain pen so close and looked at it so intently. It's, it's crazy. It looks a lot of people are, I guess, kind of kind of put off by it, or they're sort of a, they think it's too much work, but it's 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 really not. Once you get it and you you learn how to fill it with ink and what it feels like tuned, you won't really want to write with anything else. Yep, that pulls right out. Oh. So that's the actual, it's a cartridge converter. Hey, yep, twist. Mm. And it works just like a syringe, and you're able to pull. So you have to do that over time if you're mm-hmm. writing upside down, I assume? 
Yeah, when you, when you write with it, so you would run it all the way out, get the air out of it, so it mm-hmm. actually submerge it in the ink bottle, twist, draw oh, that ink, draw the ink, draw up. the ink up through the nib, so you don't have to take it apart Will or anything. Will it self pull down or no? Yeah, so it what? won't. It won't. It doesn't pull itself down, but air does come in. Okay. So it it doesn't create a vacuum. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. You see that that circle? If you look at the nib. Oh, down here. You see how there's that? Oh, this. this uh, no, oh, flip it over. Right there. Oh, right there. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That's called a breather hole. So that's uh, where it lets air back into the cartridge. This little, uh, so this uh, drop of iridium, is that cut in half too? Uh, down the middle. So that nib is completely, yeah, if you if you go watch videos on how like, you know, Bach or Yovo makes their nibs, they're completely flat and stamped. And mm-hmm. then they're dipped in iridium, curved basically, and another stamp, and then cut down the middle. And that creates that slit where the ink actually travels. And we've been trying to get them made in America, but nobody does them. And it's a legitimate fifty dollars to $80,000 investment to get all the tools to do it. So hopefully one day we'll be there where mm-hmm. we can say we make our nibs in America, make them out of gold, out of platinum, everything, do our own iridium tipping. But just the saw, if you think about, you know, like a saw that you might see at Lowe's. Do cloth? I don't want to like. Oh, you're fine. Do, uh, I don't yeah, want yeah, yeah. fingerprints on this. Yeah, all right. These little claws, it cleans itself. Um if you think about how big the saw blades are on like just a saw you'd see at Lowe's, like a mm-hmm. circular, and you see how tiny that slit is yeah. that works, that is, it's a, a hair fine saw that you use to cut it. And so there's a crazy amount of precision work that goes into a nib. This is insane. I don't think I've ever learned so much about a pen in my life. Oh, it's fan- it's, it's just been years of reading and articles and meeting people and talking and building our company at the same time and it's do you have one with ink in it i did not i just i brought the i brought that one off as a rollerball just in uh, case i needed to sign anything quick <laughs> you know i do receipts and no, things i've never like that. written with a with a what, falcon point fountain fountain, fountain, fountain. i'm gonna um oh, i'm such a noob <laughs> i'm gonna uh the next time I, i'm sure i'll be up in new york probably in the next couple months i'll i'll, I'll bring one and i can show you how You're i insane. tune it up and everything that's crazy. But it's it's just like anything else, the same way that, you know, people adjust their shocks and steering and how certain things feel like your your Harley, how yeah. you know, you'll change things there, how it actually feels when you ride. Mm-hmm. It's the same way with writing. You're going to make those little tiny adjustments that only matter to you. That's insane. Brother, we just crossed one hour and 30 minutes. Nice. Like that. It's not a problem. <laughs> it's, it's not it's not a problem uh you sit here and listen to me talk about myself right now. dude I, I loved it man i've never learned i never knew so much about pens like that that's one of the coolest parts and i'll go on one, one small tangent but like that's one of the coolest parts about being doing this like yeah i don't get paid but i kind of do because i get paid in knowledge yeah it's a so, different currency yeah, yeah i mean i'm learning stuff all the time that people are like how do you know that and i'm like oh i got a buddy of mine like oh, yeah. he wanted us so we sat down and did the podcast for an hour and a half and you know i learned about nibs and and See, you're, you're gonna you're gonna go into to New York with some buddies, and you guys are gonna go walk past a shop, and you see some pens in the window, and you'll be like, "Let me tell you about that pen." Yeah, let me tell. Yeah, I'll be like, "Oh, you know, fountain point tip, and yeah. you know, they have a little manu- little thing that you could draw ink with them, and oh, all God. this, and the, Sir, the tines this, have to be." Is this eighteen karat gold? Or is it only fourteen? Is there an iridium tip on this? I would write, and then be like, yeah, Harrison, what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's happened. Or, like it, it's happened already, where people are like, "What the hell happening?" Oh, and yeah. I'm like, "Oh, I just spent a lot of like." Because all all the people that are on my podcast, I talk to on a pretty semi frequently frequent basis. Everybody's super busy. Uh, a lot of people are married and stuff like that. And, and between 
nerds and here doing this and everything else I try to do in my mm-hmm. life, it's my time is pretty pretty far and few between. But it's like it's so cool because I get to learn about all these things, and then I don't, I, you know, who knows when the next time I'm gonna have a conversation about a pen is. But like I said, I might be walking. You'll one be day. ready, yeah. Or you know, now I now I'm equipped. You know, next time I go see Pete Fasulo, I'm gonna shoot the shit with him about. Oh yeah, about pens because now I know I'm not a master, but I'm gonna be like, oh, Pika, so I learned about pens. Like yeah. look at all this stuff, and like that's the coolest thing. That and that's what I love about this is you know it, I'm constantly engaging in people and seeing you know I I had Ron Reed. You heard Ron Reed's podcast. Oh yeah, I listened to like, him, listened to it today on the yeah, way down here. I never knew that much about resumes, and then it's crazy because you know I'm at an event and somebody's like, oh, you know, I need a resume. I'm like, I got a guy for uh, that. There's Ron Reed. For yeah, you. and you I go, go look, bef- like talk to him for sure. But listen to my podcast too. Like listen to what he has to say about like how mm-hmm. important it really is. Like. Like, this resume might just be a resume to you, but it could be so much more. And I was like, well, this is, mind it's, blown. It's finding those people that have a passion about something. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, the, the way that there's a utility in what he does, that it's just a resume. It's a means to an end. You know? 100%. And there's a way they say, okay, this is just a pen. It's a way to write. It's a way mm-hmm. to communicate. But what is it What is it to somebody who, who cares about it? To somebody who built it? You know, that it's their baby. It's their creation. What does it mean yeah. to them? The hours and time and blood, sweat, exactly. and tears put into it. I like it, brother. How do people find you? How do they? Uh, you can go online. I've, I've been talking to a couple of people. I'm going to be back on the Instagram horse, getting back on the social media with that. So Instagram is just Eagle Pens. You can find me that way, uh, eaglepens.com. Eagle like the bird, P-E-N-S.com. I like it. And then I'll, I'll uh, be posting a list of different shows I'll be doing for 2018. We've got probably six or seven fountain pen events actual shows across the u.s Uh and i'm hoping to work with people like john and yourself doing these pop-ups that you're doing the trunk shows i think gotta do a helmet please let me know got a couple things for that Troy probably hit up some of the watch shows some of the the more luxury kind of couture events see what we can do awesome man i like it all right brother until next time thanks a lot What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Brutally Honest Podcast. I am your host, Harrison Barron. First of all, if you enjoyed this episode, before you hang up, smash that subscribe button. Do it. Do it, do it, do it. Uh, lots of good episodes coming at you. Coming at you. Uh, super, super excited to bring them to you. Lots of good things. I promise. Um, I'm even. I'm super excited for them. Grant that I am part of it, but super excited for it. Um, just so much raw talent and so many different ideas and perspectives and thoughts and all this stuff and i got a lot of things in the woodworks also i didn't say this in the beginning but with um multi-guest podcasts i know i usually just do one-on-one but i have a couple multi-guest podcasts coming up that i'm pretty excited for um over the next couple months and i'm already booking now i'm looking into late january early february which is nuts so smash that subscribe button and go check out the uh, the podcast go check out the website brutallyhonestpodcast.com and you can find everything that's going to be there. Uh, I'm going to be doing that newsletter thing once a week, hopefully. Every Friday, it'll be a little video. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be sweet, man. So go check it out. And on that note, I have to say a, a, a quick thank you to none other than the Nerds I Care for sponsoring the po- the podcast. Oh, my God. Guys, I'm sorry. I've been talking for literally like 12 hours already. <sighs> the Nerds I Care is your third-party outsourced IT company. 
these small places, these small mom and pop shops, they can't afford a full time in house staff. It's very expensive. A, a basic IT person will run you fifty thousand plus dollars a year, and a third party outsourced IT company not only costs you tremendously less, but you're working with a team of people who are going to get you the right solution all the time. And if there's anything that goes wrong, they're going to do the exact same thing that your in-house IT person would do, which is come running with help to make sure that your business is up and running and running efficiently. They're going to point you in the right direction and they're going to advise you in the best possible way for your business. So thank you so much to the Nerds That Care for everything that they do for the podcast. And I hope you guys enjoyed this one as much as I did. Honestly, pens are ridiculous. Jeremy is a crazy dude, and I love him. And he's just got so much passion for what he does. His products are it's insanely cool. You can check him out on my Instagram, Harrison underscore Baron. And on there, you know, he's just it, his pens are absolutely fantastic. Yes, they are maybe a little expensive for some people, but you're holding a piece of history that he made. Um, I don't think there's really much anything cooler than that. He is literally the definition of a creator and is kind of doing it the way I am, like literally from scratch. So super, super interesting and a cool dude. Thank you so much to Jeremy for coming on the show. And he traveled, by the way. I didn't include this in the beginning. If you're listening this far, Jeremy traveled states to come visit me. He drove like eight hours to visit. So huge thank you. And guys, until next time, like I said in the beginning, have a happy and safe holiday, which with whatever you decide to do, I hope it is happy, safe, and full of joy. And until next time, guys, peace.